Hi, I'm Brandon Briscoe, and welcome to another episode of The Postscript, Living Faith Bible Institute's weekly podcast and YouTube series devoted to interviewing pastors and professors from across the Living Faith Fellowship, and specifically Living Faith Bible Institute. Now, if you've been listening for any length of time, you have come to recognize that we're having conversations about all kinds of stuff. Sometimes we're discussing church history, sometimes we're discussing theology, and sometimes we're talking about what it looks like to be a leader in ministry. And we're hoping that these types of conversations are encouraging to you and strengthening. And we're in one of those conversations right now. Uh, I'm interviewing Pastor Sam Miles of Midtown Baptist Temple. He's the professor of the pastoral procedures class in LFBI. And uh, in the last episode, we had a conversation about what it looks like to cast a vision. What does it look like for a pastor to cast a vision for a church and to hold to that vision and to continue to instill a desire to live out the Great Commission in every single member of their church. And and that was a really powerful conversation. This week, we're gonna be discussing something a little bit more practical. We're gonna be talking about the daily responsibilities of a pastor, uh, how do they lead a staff, uh, what does it look like to administer the ordinances, things like that. And so I wanna invite Pastor Sam Miles back into conversation. It's good to have you here, man. Yeah. It's good to be here. And so let's begin by just uh, talking about the structure of services specifically. So the the Bible gives us so much liberty in terms of how to structure a church service, right? Yeah. 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 And we could, we could do it all different types of ways. And I'm sure in different places in the world, they're structuring their services different than we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of room to address cultural things. Yeah. But there are certain elements of a church service that we are fairly convicted about, right? Things that we need to hold to. So, in the amount of time that you have, yeah. What do what do we what do you fit into the time? Yeah. What do you, what do you fit, fit into, into that? The, yeah. People need to worship, right? They need to worship. They need to give. Uh, they 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 need to have opportunity to participate in the worship service. They also need to hear from God, mm-hmm. right? So, there's got to be. The opportunity for people to respond and so you know between the worship service and man that's got to be worship can't just be singing some songs so there's got to be a little space for people to enter into his presence mm-hmm. you know um <clears throat> the opportunity for people to participate is critical and then the environment's got to be set so that people have the ability to freely attend on the word of god and then space to, to so you mean to no distraction to, right yeah yeah and then the space to be able to well there's going to always be in dis- some distraction but you're working to minimize that yeah you want people to have the freedom to attend on um, worship attend on the word um and then they gotta you know the, the, ideally there's space to respond uh in our one hour service we're we're really struggling with that praise the lord we're getting ready to go back to a, a more normal schedule at mm-hmm. the end of the month but but yeah, you want to trust the Lord for all that to fit in without it being some, you know, rote repetition week to week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So testimonies are powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, baptisms in the service—that's always a an exciting thing. Being able to see how God's working in the lives of people is super encouraging. Yeah, and those services are the yeah. most familial. Mm-hmm. Right, so we do mm-hmm. lots of other things that are ministry oriented, mm-hmm. small groups doing this or that. Yeah, 
but this is our opportunity once a week to come together as a family. Yeah, and you know, Sundays are fairly structured. Tuesdays, I try to keep those- It's a little looser. Yeah, I try yeah. to keep those more informal, try to keep that more of a family time. Uh, it's more of an intimate time uh, together and, and with the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, Tuesday, the Tuesday service is my favorite service of the week. It's fun. Yeah. So with all of that in mind, like what we include in a service we find important biblically, you know, there, there should be worship, there should be the, the preaching of God's word, um, there should be an opportunity to respond because ultimately we're drawing people into the mission, uh, into ministry. Mm -hmm. But with the, the biblical aspects, uh, the traditional aspects, maybe Baptistic tradition or maybe even Western tradition, but then also cultural aspects like we've got all kinds of people coming into our church all the time how do you keep a balance um of all of those different things uh in a church i mean i'm, I'm sure every church in the fellowship it would look different based on who mm -hmm. they're ministering to but in our church how do you keep your eye on all of those things and and promote a service that's for all all people yeah i think you know by equipping people to do the work of the ministry and then letting them do the work of the ministry, then it's going to naturally keep that balance because everybody's mm -hmm. engaged. So, you know, to have a team of people that are translating, doing live translation into Spanish or Chinese, uh, Mandarin, uh, Vietnamese, mm -hmm. uh, Swahili. So, you know, it's it's including more people. It's making it accessible for more people to be engaged. Right. Uh, same thing with the worship. You know, if people are growing as worship leaders and they're leading us in worship, then who they are and their cultural background is going to creep yeah. into the into the worship. And the church needs to embrace that. I think that's you know that's wonderful. The more the more handles that we can put on our worship services to include more people to own it, um, to own and making sure it it comes off right. Like today, we had a group of people cleaning in preparation for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, so you've got you've got people owning the worship by making sure the building is safe, clean, and ready. Yeah. Um, you know, in the morning, the connections team—they're going to go through and do the same thing again. Is connections the building, is our is our hospitality? That's our hospitality yeah. team. Yeah, they're going to make sure that the building is ready for people to freely attend on worship. Um, so whether you're leading worship whether you're supporting worship, whether you're interpreting it, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, all of those things will, will work together to put handles on it for people. So the balance in that, I think is going to come from the people that are owning it. Yeah. You know? That makes so sense. So it'll fit our, our church. You know, we're very multicultural, um, multi-ethnic, uh, the demographics are all over the place. And so, you know, as, as the people from all those various cultures and demographics, they own the service. Well, then, you know, it's it's going to fit. The more fitting it's going to be for our, yeah, for our yeah. community. Yeah, that's that's good. So I probably haven't spent a lot of time thinking about how do we keep this balance for everyone? If everyone's engaged. They're then, contributing to the DNA yeah, at some level. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, that totally yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So here's another question, and this one might be a little bit more practical. There's, there's a lot of things that a pastor does. I mean, there's the service coordination, which we just mm -hmm. talked about. That's important, making sure that, that things happen the way that they should, but then also what happens in the context of services. And I guess what I mean by that is maybe even beyond just Sunday service, services such as weddings, uh, funerals, um, or aspects of a service such as 
the Lord's Supper or baptism. Um, mm-hmm. What are why are these things so important and worth addressing and talking about and making sure they're done right for a pastor? Yeah, yeah. So we spend some time in the class on all you know on all those subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in terms of engaging the church, uh, MBT's support of a funeral is crucial. Uh, we need the church to show up in a big way for that. So there's the hospitality uh, component to mm-hmm. supporting a funeral. But in terms of equipping people to lead in those areas, we'll spend some time on marrying, burying, baptizing, the Lord's Supper, um, because there there are a lot of errors and and opportunities that could be, that, that end up being lost because people aren't thinking about the 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 key points or the yeah. key objectives that they're wanting to hit to have a for example weddings and funerals okay you have to give the gospel at right. every wedding at every funeral as a pastor you're at a you're at a wedding or a funeral you've got people that will never come to the church this is their only opportunity in some cases for people to hear the gospel mm-hmm. you're a minister of the gospel and you don't give the gospel yeah does not compute right right so that's that's critical and so yeah. we we'll talk a little bit about how to include the gospel in weddings and funerals in a wedding okay so this be since you know so weddings uh the vows have to be right you know, I'll tell I'll tell a couple that I'm doing a wedding. I'll do whatever. I'll come in a clown suit <laughs> to some degree. Okay, I'll, I mean, I have some I'll, natural. I won't do that, <laughs> but I'll do whatever sure. as long as I can give the gospel. Yeah, and as long as the vows represent the biblical responsibilities, the biblical requirements of the marriage partners. Mm-hmm. We live in a day and age where uh, people are writing their own vows, and they're not biblical. Right. And there are, I mean, the Bible outlines the responsibilities and the privileges of both the bride and the groom. And so the vows ought to, the, the vows ought to describe, yeah, they, they ought, ought to, to encompass re- those. They ought to that. reflect yeah. what the Bible says are the responsibilities of marriage partners. And so we talk about that. People come up with cute ideas all the time. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, a marriage is a covenant relationship sure. before the Lord. If the officiant does it right, they are married in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they're married according to the precepts of God's word. And so, you know, it the can't vows be are done. Serious. It can't be flippant. But you ought to have fun. Sure. Yeah. So you guys all do a great job of that. As a matter of fact, I think we 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 point to a recording of a wedding that Dan did that mm-hmm. was just a lot of fun and and uh, very heartfelt. But he just hit all the bases. Sure. We probably got you've done more weddings than you can shake a stick at in the last couple of years, Ugh. you know, so we'll, we'll put some students to work studying some of these weddings. Um, so that's important. The one, you know, the one I have a question about, cause I've never done a funeral. I, I've spoken at a funeral before, but I've never officiated uh, a funeral. And so, uh, you know, I feel like personally the wedding thing, it's celebratory. Uh, mm-hmm. it's exciting. And, um, as long as I've got the vow part, right. Uh, the hardest part is just telling the couple's story and making sure that that's yeah. a, an, mm. an important part yeah. of what happens. You do a good job with that. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a, yeah. I, I think I think it's super important that people, yeah, get to reminisce. You know, yeah. it's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. but but beyond that, because I've never done a funeral, and I think that's more common. Funerals 
seem to be less common, at least at Midtown. We're a young church. Mm -hmm. I haven't experienced a whole lot of, of people dying that are congregants here. Man, what are some of the things you have to think about in a funeral, especially when you're addressing an audience who is there to honor this person? Um, this person may or may not have been saved in some cases. I mean, there just seems like so much to get your head oh, around. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you can give you, us a you few. You do a funeral of somebody that you know is burning in hell as you speak. I just uh, can't even that's get a, my... That's a tough deal. Oof. Yeah. So stuff. maybe you can give us a few yeah. practical tips on what it looks like to do a funeral, things you yeah. have to consider. Yeah. So I think you can be gracious, and at the same time, it's critical that you be honest in a funeral. Funerals can be very celebratory. Mm -hmm. um, we just did the funeral of a pastor, a very like-minded pastor, uh, you know, I was surprised he'd asked that I do his, his funeral. And here's a guy that poured his life into people, making disciples, um, preaching the word. Countless people would have the testimony that right. God's blessed them because this man is in their life. Yeah. It's Pastor Gary Staub. Uh, come on, super celebratory. Yeah. Uh, and and That's as ideal. much as it's a, a funeral and it's hard because... You know, a wife is losing her best friend. Children mm -hmm. are, have you know said goodbye to their their, their dad, grandpa. Um, what a stud! Yeah, they, and, so and most of the families got the right perspective yeah, on the yeah, whole thing. Yeah. And yeah, so that's a that's a good. Those time. are great times. I, yeah. I guess what I'm Those I'm, are I'm thinking about the when it's not so easy. Yeah. So we had a gal that Cheryl and I have invested in for decades. Mm -hmm. Your wife, Cheryl. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, Yes, my wife, Cheryl. Yeah, not everyone knows that. As so. opposed to the other Cheryls. But yeah, right. not everybody knows that. Yeah. So uh, as a matter of fact, Cheryl had spent some time discipling uh, her when she was 14. And uh, the parenting wasn't in place. And just, just the, the world mm. had a pull on her. And, and, uh, and so over the years, she would get swept into drugs. Mm. I would get crazy phone calls in the middle of the night. And... Uh, a lot of, lot of heartbreak, a lot of prayer for yeah. this young woman. She fast forward through time and, and uh, God got a hold of her life. She recognized the way that seemed right to her was leading to death. And, and we got her back. We yeah. had about a seven-year run with her. Yeah. And uh, she was doing so well. She was becoming productive in ministry. Her family life was coming together. Her kids we're beginning to follow the Lord. And, and then she thought, you know, she could use drugs again. Yeah. And broke her brain. I, you know, that's the only way I know how to describe it. Mm -hmm. it, it she went crazy. Yeah. And I remember a, a couple of months before uh, she passed, Cheryl and I were discussing her and, and just, you know, absent her, sub, absent her, deciding she's done and she'll just submit to what we're telling her she's we're going to lose her mm -hmm. and it's going to really just suck to do her funeral because so much potential is wasted her youngest child i think is eight mm -hmm. and and so here we are i don't know if she to this day i don't know if she committed suicide or she was so addled in her mind that she just was trying to cross the freeway but a tractor trailer yeah, motor over and, and and killed her, and um, you know to see this woman in her forties now, early forties, um, 
Yeah, it was rough. Horrible. Okay, so if I'm in the pulpit and I gloss over all of that, when I know at least a fourth of the people in that room don't know Christ, um, and yet here's a woman who professed Christ but threw her life away on drugs, I gloss that over, I'm making a huge mistake. Yeah. You know, and so to in a very loving way, but in a very frank, very matter of fact way, uh, be able to address the fact that that this woman has broken our hearts. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a horrible loss to be able to articulate that and at the same time encourage the family not to be bitter against her, to be bitter against the Lord. Uh, She made horrible decisions, but, you know. I, I do know this. I, I, I'm personally co- convinced. I'm personally convicted that she was a born again woman. Yeah. And I'm going to see her again. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to. I didn't actually lose Chrissy. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, what a what a stupid thing. What a yeah. horrible thing. So to be able to tell the family, look, absent, you can do everything in life correctly, and still end up busting hell wide open. You know. So. So we, we spent a lot of time giving the gospel, but we also spent a lot of time uh, communicating the need to forgive someone who was weak. Mm-hmm. She didn't pursue this out of a wicked desire to make her family and her friends and her church family. I mean, she we could talk, we could tell stories about how she made our life hell. She showed up. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't always pleasant. It wasn't always pleasant. Yeah. Man, I love her. Yeah. And so you have to be able to forgive this person that threw their life away. You know about this in your own life with yeah. your brother. I mean, yeah. the decisions he was making, how how hard. How, you have to forgive them. You're dealing with weakness, not somebody who wickedly determined that they're going to make everybody's life miserable. Mm-hmm. Because absent forgiving them, you're going to end up bitter. And this is the way it always works. People end up bitter against the Lord. Somehow... The personal decisions that ended up in a rupture and a loss, people make it God's fault. Yeah. And that bitterness grows in their heart. Their relationship with the Lord is defiled and they end up defiling all the other relationships in their life. Yeah. And we uh, so so there are things like that that you gotta tackle head on. Right. Speaking truth and love. I honestly feel like you just did the funeral just now. Like that was really heavy and well done and well, respectful <laughs> and loving. And so I guess, but that's the point is that you have to, you have to take advantage of the story that's there. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and you have to be honoring to God. You have to be respectful yeah. to the congregates, right? They're there. They're mm. in some cases they're in your church house. Yeah. yeah. And, and so you have to approach that with great, great care and gravity Yeah. Um, if you stand before people and end up effectively lying in yeah. order to try to have a, a good service. Or to make it easier on your conscience. Yeah, you haven't actually accomplished anything. No, you kind of have to yeah. just enter into the pain, yeah. right? Yeah. As, yeah. A, as the way yeah. I imagine yeah. it. And the Bible meets you there. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you've got, for every hard funeral, um, there's a ton of scripture. Yeah. God meets you there and, and you know, points you back to hope. That's good. Points you back to faith. So, so on another note, I mean, there's things to consider in terms of baptism and Lord's Supper. Maybe we can briefly, you're going to, you'll tackle those big time in the class, but briefly, let's just talk about, okay, baptism, things to consider in baptism. So baptism, don't die. (laughs) Don't drown. Don't drown. People people have actually died in the baptistry. No. So we got to talk about, yes, absolutely. That is, Google it. It's I don't want to do that. 
Yeah, so don't die. So we got to talk about that. Okay. Don't How do jerk people around by their neck. Um, I th there are there are people that will baptize that end up putting people in the hospital because they think they're doing something awesome. Oh my gosh! And they're just jerking people around, and and not everybody's built for a WWE WrestleMania episode. Oh know? my gosh! So we actually teach the tactics of how to properly handle someone when you're immersing them yeah. and bringing them back the up thing out I of the water. About, I see pastors grabbing people by the back of their head. I don't understand that. And they're effectively jerking people around by their like neck. That, if that's I your, mean, what if that's your first world? tendency, like you need to, where <laughs> are gonna, you at? Where are you at mentally? Someone. Yeah. My thing yeah. is more like ed etiquette. So like, especially yeah. when you're baptizing yeah. uh, the opposite sex, it's important mm -hmm. to be careful where your hands go. One of the things that really drives me nuts is when pastors grab the nose of a person, which seems really like you're crossing a line there, man. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's the old style of doing it. We we actually talk through all of that. So yeah, in the class. tactically, you're not going to be feeling, you know, right, accidentally feeling up someone, right? Gosh, um, dude, you're, Lord. yeah, you're gonna the the methodology that we teach yeah. is very effective, and so maybe you could talk just briefly about what has to be said, right? What People do yeah. say different things when they baptize. What are the things that yeah. have to be said? Yeah, we when go you through baptize? all of that. You know, I mean, you've got latitude, um, but but Matthew's pretty clear. Mm -hmm. um, the Bible's pretty clear. Um, so we're baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son. Uh, we're baptizing in the name of the Holy Ghost. So um, they have to go all the way in the water. They're buried in the likeness of His death. We take immersion seriously. We take immersion seriously. Uh, and again, there are things that you can do. Not all of our pastors baptize correctly every time, mm -hmm. you know, and I try to follow up with them anytime that I see it. You can actually put both of their hands to work so that while you're baptizing them, they're not clutching the sides of the oh baptism to keep from, because people, they, there's a trust factor, yeah. you know, so you put their hands to work. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. How to, you know, how to, yeah. how, it'll force them to go a little bit rigid and, and they're working and you're, you've got a handle to hold on to. And so, Take the class, right? And we'll yeah. cover, yeah, we'll cover all of the things. Um, but it's got a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection. Uh, we, mm -hmm. We're doing this in obedience to the Lord's command. With the Lord's Supper, there's a lot. There's a shocking amount of information in the Bible, a lot of territory that you can cover in the different Lord's ways Supper. that you mm -hmm. can kind of come at. Oh that. yeah, yeah, and you're preaching the gospel with it. You're remembering Christ's sacrifice. Um, the, there's there's a number of things that that can be covered any uh, any time you're at the Lord's table, but but it's important to properly communicate the bread and the cup, what that represents. Mm -hmm. People need to be called to to be grateful for Christ's sacrifice. He bore our sins to the tree. Uh, it's it's by His body. Mm -hmm. You know, that he bore our sins and he shed his blood to wash those sins away, you know. And so you got to, we got to properly describe the bread and the cup. Uh, people need to remember with grateful hearts the Lord's sacrifice. They need to properly discern the Lord's body. So, you you know, you've got the gospel accounts, but then 1 Corinthians 11, um, there are, there are, there are concepts that, it's good to review with the church. Yeah, one of the things I noticed that you mentioned table. a lot when we're, when we're talking about the Lord's Supper is the significance of of seeking reconciliation between other people. Yeah. 
And you'll often use the Lord's Supper as a way of leveraging that, you know, the forgiveness of Christ. Yeah. Um, are you willing to also forgive yeah. uh, and be forgiven? Yeah. Christ yeah. shed his blood to bind together a body yeah. and and you're over your rights being violated mm -hmm. or your you know, negative view of a brother or sister, mm -hmm. you're gonna divide what Christ bled to unite. Not cool. Right. That's a foul. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And that and again, that's all stuff that you're gonna you're gonna go in depth on in the class, but mm -hmm. I thought it was worth touching on because it's yeah, it's kind of fun stuff yeah. to talk about because yeah. so often you know, guys are intimidated. I mean, I mean, I, there's certain things that intimidate me, but, um, and you have to learn it takes, it takes doing it over and over again. Like the baptism mm -hmm. thing, you know, you're rehearsing that before you do a baptism your first time, you're rehearsing those words over and over again. You're freaking out like, am I going to do yeah. this right? What am yeah. I going to screw up? Yeah. Um, and then just learning over time that like, there's certain things I don't have to actually say. Mm -hmm. And there are certain things I absolutely have to say. And you get more confident over time but and there's different ways to say the things you're just you know it's what are you pointing people right. to so that the the baptism communicates the correct picture to right. god's people yeah you know what are you communicating that correctly communicates the fruit of the vine and and the unleavened bread you know? yeah so there in yeah. all of those things there will always be a call to salvation and sanctification mm -hmm. if you're doing any of those things right. Yeah, you're a minister of the gospel. That's right. So, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, with that, let's let's switch gears. We're still talking about pastoral leadership. We talked about we talked about church services, the structure of church services. You know, practically what what should be included. We talked about the ordinances and, and different officiant mm -hmm. responsibilities of a pastor. But also a pastor leads a team often of, of not just volunteers, but also sometimes staff members. Yeah. And there's things that are worth considering when leading other people, uh, especially if they're employees of the church. Yeah. And so um, let's start by just talking about envisioning leaders. Um, at our church, we often talk about principles versus policies. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of maybe... Um, worth addressing because i think I, I had never really considered those things prior to being in leadership here right like yeah um i think i t i tend towards because i worked in a corporate setting and then i worked in public education policy is everywhere mm -hmm. and in many regards it feels safe like there's something about policies and procedures that feel really safe mm -hmm. and you if you follow the rules and you check the boxes things are getting done the right way which is not always true right yeah. so maybe explain yeah. to us what do the differences in terms of principled leadership versus policy-driven leadership. Yeah, and it's not that policies are all bad. Right. Like every church sure. has some policies. Yes. Yeah. Uh, their insurance companies require it. Yeah, um, right. You know, so there's going to be policy in any organization. Mm -hmm. Really, as even as much as policy. So if every, if a policy determines every everything in a lot of churches, that will be the case. Right. And then the response is basically something like, you want to do X, Y, Z, but we can't do X, Y, Z because the policy says A, B, C. Yeah, we don't, we don't do this We here. don't do that here. Right, yeah. It doesn't, you know, our policy doesn't allow it. And, and then it's like, well, so, to, so if the policy's running everything, what do you need leaders for? Sure. Well, you just need a manual and, and then people know what to do. Mm -hmm. Leadership exists to make reasonable exceptions to policy. Yeah. You know, and then... On the flip side, in a lot of churches, the policy 
basically revolves around whatever the pastor's thinking mm -hmm. at any given moment in time. Yeah. And that can be frustrating for people because then it's what does the pastor think? The smaller the church is, I think the more likely that tendency yeah. is among the congregants to say, well, whatever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That's, yeah. How it, that's how it actually worked here. Mm -hmm. So I'm the church planter uh, in the beginning was the only pastor. And so, you know, church planter, senior pastor, only pastor, tons of latitude. People defer to you on everything. Yeah. And it and it was spooky to me because I'm picking up on, you know, people aren't when they when they come to a decision or they come to a potential problem, they're not thinking, well, what does the Bible say? They're thinking, well, what Sam say? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't build a you can't build a ministry that's going to outlive you or outlast you or go beyond your limitations or capacity if everybody's dependent upon you for everything. And so you have to train people to think biblically. Yeah, you know, everybody that comes in, they're coming in wired the way that they're wired, and and we need the Word of God to take them apart and put them back together. They need to go from from worldly thinking to being biblicist mm -hmm. in their thinking they need to be transformed by the renewing of their mind and and so one of the first things that we did once i brought pastor best on once, once we ordained chris uh, and now we have two pastors at right. mvt um you know my first project with him was is okay how do we keep everything from running through me if i'm if I'm the nexus through which everything runs at MBT, we're not going to get we're yeah. not going to get anywhere. Yeah, because I'm limited in my. There'll capacity. always be a bottleneck. Oh, yeah. massive bottleneck because mm -hmm. I I just don't have that great a capacity. Um, I think we've talked about. We've talked about some of these types of things. Yeah, but, the the pastor is like a tub of butter. Right. Yeah. He can only cover about, so much bread, yeah. and then you're just out of butter. You know? So then we so, we develop the principles to allow people to make decisions, biblical decisions yeah, on their own. They don't yeah, need to check in yeah. with everybody about. Yeah. How do we everything. get people latitude in ministry, the latitude to make decisions for themselves, and 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 can we in in discovering the biblical principles that we want to communicate to MBT? How do we keep that as short a list as possible? but still remind people to think biblically. And, and it was a challenge because, you know, there are these things that are no brainers. And yet to get a short list that we can communicate to a growing body of leaders where they can say, you know, um, I, I already know what Sam thinks, I already know because I know what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. So it really doesn't matter what Sam thinks. I'm just going to assume he's got a transformed mind too, and, and he's gonna operate the same way. In other mm -hmm. words, how do we all mind, how do we speak and mind the same thing? How do we keep, how do we live 1 Corinthians 1.10 where there's no divisions among us? Sure. Well, we all need to transform mind. We need to be biblicists in how we think. And so the Bible is a book that that is full of principles. That you can principalize the Bible. And so we came up with nine. It could have been 10, it could have been 50, it could have been 20. Bible principles, but we said, what is the shortest possible list of principles that we can describe that if people are operating or running ministry in light of those principles, we can basically say, here are the lines on the table in terms of biblical principles. If your ministry and your ministry decisions are operating in light of this grid of biblical yeah. principles, well, then you're free to minister about the building, about the city, about sure. the world. You don't have to check with me on everything. Yeah.
So then that, I just, that changed everything. Yeah. And so yeah. with that, so that's, that's true for the church. That's also true for your pastoral team. And it's true even for those that are on staff that are paid mm-hmm. staff here. So what is that? How does that impact the day to day here at the church? Yeah. So in the early days of communicating nine ministry principles, that took the better part of a year to communicate that to, to the con- staff. To convince people. To actually. convince people this is how we're going to roll. Yeah. Uh, there was some initial rejection. And again, pastoring is tending. It's tending sheep. You can't overdrive the the sheep. You know, you just got to keep going for the hill. And, right. And now I think some of the bigger apologists for nine ministry principles are some of the people that maybe resisted it the hardest in the early days. Sure. You know? But once your eyes are open and you see it, you're like the light bulb clicks on. Well, now you see, you know. So it it takes communicating those principles all the time. As a matter of fact, we're kind of at a place where we need to have another big emphasis on nine ministry right, principles the, at MBT. With all the new members. And, oh, yeah. 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 Now, yeah. I mean, I, I can't avoid it. Uh, in the men's restroom, the princi- um, at the urinal, They're is, listed there. their principles yeah. are at all of the urinals. And so I feel like I've got them pretty well memorized at this but point. But peeing in front of principles doesn't necessarily get doesn't mean em- employing them but you can't <laughs> not i mean they're in your head they're yeah, written yeah. in your memory and, yeah yeah but you yeah. know i think one of the things you know just to speak in terms of a staff as a staff i've been here for on staff for a year and a half now yeah and uh, i came into the setting thinking okay well i've you know what are the rules so things are changing now I'm, now i'm on the staff and now there's got to be all this stuff that i that i'm doing that check yeah. off all the boxes because that's yeah. what I was used to doing. And it took every bit of a year mm-hmm. for me to realize that I actually had the liberty to make decisions without checking in with everybody. Yeah, And I knew yeah. this. I knew yeah. this principally yeah. throughout ministry. Yeah. But even as a staff member here, that those principles guide us. Yeah. If we're like-minded, then there's yeah. a lot of freedom in ministry. I don't actually have to look over everybody's shoulder and make sure that everybody's doing everything that I want them to. Now, having said that, a lot of decisions do get made that I wouldn't have made, mm-hmm. you know. But if if the ministry is going to grow, I have to be willing to make space for that because how are people going to be able to grow and and learn and and develop themselves? You know, things happen that end up being errors, so you got to come in behind and say, "Well, okay, let's look at this." here's why this was a mistake right and it's not even to condemn or rebuke it's it's really i mean there is correction but it's really training right you know and and as people grow in the word and they see how to apply it in ministry well we just get more and more like-minded all the time you know it's a wonderful thing to have a like-minded staff Mm. you know you see examples you see cases of staffs where the pastors don't agree. They're sectarian. They form camps. Their wives won't even talk to each other. Um, you know, you'll see examples of that where people. Um, it's not that they're not like-minded. Uh, you know, you'll see staffs divided where they're effectually warring against one another. Well, how, how does, does that church ever? Yeah, and accomplish know, the mission. You maybe know? there's like yeah. just in terms of insight into the pastorate, like because that I think for some people they're going to hear those words, and they're going to be shocked by what you're saying, right? They hear what, the mm-hmm. staff where the wives don't even like each other. Like, 
Yeah. They're taking sides. They're they're yeah. bickering about things. How does that how does that happen? Like what are the so in terms of okay, we've talked about principles principles and policies, but in terms of relationship, how do you manage the relationships of your team in a way that promotes that that never happened, that keeps that from from happening? Yeah, so what'll happen is you know, people go into ministry so Satan, Satan is astute. You know, he he's a master at warfare, mm -hmm. and he knows how to take people down. He knows how how to use them in a way that's contrary to Ephesians four. Mm -hmm. And so, st stereotypically, I'll just speak stereotypically. What will happen is if somebody comes into ministry and they've got something to prove, and and the proof will be in the fact that they get their way, or people are listening to them. Uh, they want to shine. Yeah. So in a, in a sense, it's manifesting Lucifer, Isaiah 14. You know, contention, how does that come again? Oh, yeah, only by pride. <laughs> right. Uh, it's through pride that contention comes. Okay, so, so I've got something to prove. I've got something to say. I've got something to show. I want the accolades. I want people to look at me and basically say glory to God. And I'll say it with them, but really in my heart, it's glory to me. Mm -hmm. Look how God's mightily using me in the lives of people. And and all it takes is two guys on a staff to have, you know, they've got competitive, competing objectives and they both want the glory and uh, they both want the accolades. And, and so it can end up, you know, Paul dealt with it. You know, mm -hmm. people are saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Jesus Christ. Sure. And, and uh, and that wasn't the fault even of those leaders. It was in the people that were following them in ministry. And so, so what will happen is is I need affirmation. I need recognition. You know, in other words, my hunger isn't that God would be glorified and that God's people will have their own functional relationship with the Lord. In other words, the the mature perspective says, "Follow me as I follow Christ." Right. This goes back to what we we're saying in the last episode is. Man, I don't, I don't want anything in and of myself put forward in ministry. I want to tremble to make sure that people are hearing from the Lord and that they have that that they're getting the word down right in their own life. That mm -hmm. they've got their own functional relationship with the Lord. Because at the end of the day, I'll be dead, and they're going to keep moving forward in faith. Mm -hmm. And I either set them on a right trajectory, or. I made I made allowance. I made room for them to be dysfunctional right. in ministry leadership, and now, and now the ministry's crippled, maybe for generations. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's critical if it ever Again, recovers. We got to get it right if it ever recovers at all. So you've got now pastors that are vying for position and recognition, and in and in the milder cases, it's probably because pastors are young and immature, and they do need to be affirmed. Mm -hmm. They need to know that they're on the right track or they're not on the right track. If they're not on the right track. Uh, we need to come alongside them and help them. <laughs> it's like parenting. You know, you want to work with a staff, but they they need to, to be able to say that their desire, their want to is set to God's worth being right with, yeah. that they want God's people to be able to move forward in faith because they recognize they've got a limited shelf life. Mm -hmm. They're here for a moment in time to make an investment, so they got to make it right yeah. if it's going to fall out to God's glory. If it falls out to my name, making it's it's it's, it's that I think we talked about this before. It goes back to that, you know, Genesis ten and eleven ministry model yeah. where uh -huh. 
I've got to make a name for myself sure. and I got to build a ministry that shows I'm a big man. And so then how do you, God's okay, so obviously that, yeah. part of that is in the, in the picking and choosing of how you promote people. I mean, a, yeah. part of it is in the decision making yeah. to say, okay, this yeah. guy, in terms of his character, we're yeah. going to be able to avoid some of the really dangerous yeah. and, and more, you know, septic issues. Yeah. Um, but also along the way, I mean, I know for a fact that when you started training me, I was, you know, not fit. <laughs> so there's a way in which you develop leaders yeah. that helps promote that, uh, the, the, well, the, the, the getting along, I think yeah. in particular, the getting, how do, how do you build up pastors in a way that, that allows yeah. them to avoid yeah. disunity? Yeah. So part, okay. Well, so back up for a second. One of the things that we've enjoyed is the fact that everybody that's in ministry leadership at MBT, I've had a big, I've personally had a big part in their training and equipping, mm -hmm. you know, so that helps. Yeah, you know? versus you're saying versus like hiring someone oh, in yeah. or, yeah. or, yeah. Yeah, because then if, if I hire somebody in, there's so many areas that have to be or worked through. Or even a transplant, and, like someone who's oh, a pastor yeah. at a like-minded church mm -hmm, and they, everything mm -hmm. seems good on paper, but they get here, their philosophy's yeah. a little wonky yeah. or something. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, now I see why it didn't work out yeah, where you were. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and those are those aren't insurmountable sure. obstacles i don't believe that um and we've had some of that you know i haven't i haven't actually trained everyone that sure. is attending at mbt and now functioning in ministry leadership um but there have been things that have had to be worked out mm -hmm. you know but in terms of the guys particularly the pastors that we've hired well, I've kind of had a big part in training them. And so that's right. helped. Yeah. Which is why I would say church planting is, is a better opportunity than church taking, right? Mm -hmm. Taking the pastorate in an existing church. Not that that can't be wonderful and, it, and the, the pastor and the church and the ministry can't all thrive. Um, but it's a hard road. Planting a church, it's harder in the fact that you know you got to start from scratch win your own people make your own disciples mm -hmm. uh train and equip them but the dividends on the back end are, are pretty huge yeah because they're going to yeah. share that like-mindedness yeah. immediately we just had our well here's a great example we just had our pastor's retreat in our mbt fellowship our mbt family of churches and so uh that's mbt uh living, living faith, faith boston tampa, tampa and lee summit and lee summit with Vietnam developing on the, on the horizon, yeah, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. So we had Pastor on with us. I mean, how was how was that yeah. as a pastor's retreat? Well, and I, I, mean, and I would say it wonderful. was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. we've done this for several years now, but I think giving pastors space to be friends is something that I experience here that has been super important to building proper communication. So even if you disagree with the pastor, which is inevitable, which is inevitable, yeah, uh, it'll happen every week. <laughs> like you're just like I don't agree with that, but whatever. You have the ability to look past it. Who's Brandon fighting with this week? No, no that's not true. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I love the pastors that I, I serve yeah. with, and so there's a there's a natural tendency because we know each other's hearts. Even and we're we like-minded. We're like-minded. Same mission, same vision, same right. view of scripture, same view of the work. If the communication's off, it's easy to look past. It's easy to work through. Yeah. You can forbear yeah. or you can yeah. just sit down and discuss yeah. it and everything is fine when the day is done, you know? Yeah. But 
but you've got a group of guys that have the same objectives. It's truly a fellowship. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a friendship that's based in the fellowship of the gospel and the camaraderie that comes with that. I mean, it's just wonderful. It's It's rich. It is rich. And not any two guys are clones of each other. Everybody has their own personality, their own passions, their own their own makeup, and yet the thing that binds us all together is, and and nobody has to make that happen all mm-hmm. the time, you know. So that's a that's a wonderfully rich resource. Is you've got people who are friends in the ministry, they're they're co laborers, they're co workers, but they're also there's a fellowship, there's a brotherhood, there's yeah. a friendship that's in place. And so that ties us together, you know? Uh, And then, you know, if they're, if they're principally minded, if they're biblicists in terms of their thinking, well then, you know, a lot of this stuff just works itself out. Pastors make the mistake of taking a lordship, you know, they Mm -hmm. lord over God's heritage. They try to implement um, through their personal policies instead of training people how to think, how to lead themselves and, supporting them in that it's what we discussed in our last mm-hmm. podcast of, of um, a month or two month or so ago mm-hmm. um if a pastor's thinking they actually want to promote the people that they're training up sure to to go farther do yeah. more be better you know they, they want to affirm the guys that they're developing in ministry so yeah. in closing in this episode um i mean we've talked about you know we talked about Worship services, we've talked about officiating, and we've talked about managing people. Um, I think a good question to close with would be, what are areas in, of ministry that often get neglected by pastors? Um, and now, I'm, I'm not speaking in terms of character and you know issues of spiritual things, but just in terms of like, what are gaps in the management of the church uh, that pastors don't often want to deal with or they, mm-hmm. they neglect it or look past it. It's a gap. Yeah. One area was an area I think I neglected for a long time uh, was the staff prayer meeting. My mm-hmm. thought was, well, we have our corporate prayer meeting. Um, you know, and I, we survived well, I think, that way. But we, we needed a staff, a time for the staff to come together and pray. Um, so I think that's a, a point of... Um, that can be a lack of, of oversight. Mm-hmm. Prayer is intimacy, and so sometimes it's difficult yeah. to get, you know, the staff wants to be somewhat superficial in their interactions. And, and, and it so requires people, time. Yeah, take the time. Yeah. We're, we're too bit to recognize we're too busy not to pray. We need God's blessing yeah. over all of this work. And, and so to set that aside and come together and, and pray as a staff, it forces intimacy. Um, You've got husbands and wives that could be naked together as husband and wife mm. in fluorescent lighting and yet can't get intimate enough and pray together. It's too mm-hmm. hard. It's too awkward. When they share, the, have to share their heart, the, it's a whole nother ball game. It's a whole game, yeah. ball game, you know? And so that's, that's difficult for people. Um, it's worth doing. Yeah. Call the staff to pray. The prayer part. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so I think that's... That's important. The other thing that I think is too much emphasis on superficial objectives. So we have this target that we're trying to hit and people end up just phoning in a show of accomplishment 
we're going to do this versus just being content with the fact that we're winning souls, making disciples, training and equipping people. Mm -hmm. And the things that we want to do to support that function, um, let's just keep tending. Yeah. Let's keep heading that direction, right. Right? right? So if it's important, we'll get there. But if I got to cram a square peg into a round hole to to tie up to hit to some sort of that, empirical some, yeah, measurement, yeah, I, yeah. I think that's a big mistake. Yeah. Um, families don't work that way. Right. Um, it's what's know. observable that yeah. counts. Yeah. 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 So that, that'd be a couple things that come to mind. Yeah, that's uh, good. Off the top of my head. There's probably, there's probably no, that's other helpful. things. That's helpful. Uh, I'll say this, um, the training piece, uh, you know, your, your schedule, your work ought to reflect the fact that you want to train your members as ministers. And so that's not easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that takes a reordering of priorities, finances, your time. I mean, the the time that I put into LFBI, are you kidding me? Um, but it's worth it. Yeah. You know, we can't neglect that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Well, Sam, thank you for this episode. And uh, we will meet again next week. we got one more episode. We're going to be talking about the pitfalls of ministry. I like this shirt so much. I'm going to wear it. You're going to wear it again for the next episode. episode. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. In yeah. other words... Uh, Sam saying we just filmed these uh, back to back to back. So he's, you know, he's messing with, with Oz here. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. no, it's a good yeah. shirt. So you picked a yeah. good one. So it'll, yeah. it'll look good next week too. Okay. Um, but no, we're gonna be talking about pitfalls of the pastorate, things that pastors struggle with, issues of character. Um, we're gonna talk about the things that pastors don't often talk about, issues of depression that creep up and, and how mm-hmm. that happens and, mm-hmm. and how, they, how pastors fall ultimately. And so we're going to talk about that in the next episode of the postscript. And and hopefully that'll be encouraging and strengthening to you sobering. Uh, But uh, we want to thank you for having joined us this week for this episode of the postscript. Again, if pastoral procedures, this class that we've been talking about, interests you at any level as a way of teaching you how to understand the pastors in your life better, or uh, to help you understand how to lead better, We want to invite you to visit lfbi.org and enroll for pastoral procedures. We'd love to see you in that class this coming spring. Uh, With that said, please check out the PS Plus. uh, Like the show on YouTube or whatever podcast platform that you're listening on. Please like it. Please share it. And uh, help us get the the word out to other Bible believers that there's a place that they can go to get trained in God's word. Uh, We love you and we thank you for your time. We'll see you next week. Bye.